Hi everyone, this is Sarah, the host of Bizarre and Fascinating Details. This episode is going to be a bit different. As we mentioned earlier, Darcy is in a PhD candidate program and is taking a bit of a break from recording to make sure she does as well as possible in her last few months at school. She's also working on some really cool job opportunities, and in the meantime, we're going to be doing some new things. Some of these include recording with other podcasts, getting some cool guest hosts, and developing different types of shows in a limited time or special format. One of the new ideas that we have is a series involving something that is near and dear to my heart. As some of you may know, I'm a writer and a history buff when I'm not working in the legal field. I love old buildings, museums, old stories, anything vintage, 100 years old or around that time period, and one of my absolute favorite things is vintage crime stories, or just vintage stories in general. To take advantage of my passion for this genre, we're introducing a new series we plan on calling the Vintage Series. This will be a series of segments where we feature older, less common crimes and other interesting stuff in a different and more scripted story-like format. This really is a chance for us to explore some of the older crimes, interesting events, cool people, and all kinds of other things that interest us and mix things up a bit. We hope you enjoy these fascinating stories and vintage crimes and people as much as we do. But don't worry. We have no plans to ditch our traditional two-host conversational format. We're just interested in exploring some new ideas and seeing how you guys respond. Our new vintage series will be released as a special series and labeled as such so our listeners know what to expect and can skip the new format if they prefer the more traditional two-person format. Please feel free to drop us an email, shoot us a DM, or tweet at us with your opinions, feedback, and comments. We love you guys and just want to thank each and every one of you all for your amazing support so far. We look forward to creating some wonderful new content for you guys in the upcoming year. Merry Christmas, everyone. Happy New Year to you and your families. Love the BFD crew. This is our introductory offering for the Vintage Series, and it is the sad story of Pearl Bryan. On a cold February day in 1896, in the town of Fort Thomas, Kentucky, a little boy found a headless body of a young woman in a farmer's field. Because the body had no head, no one knew who the young woman was. In typical fashion for the day, news media went wild for the story and the young victim became a celebrity of sorts. Headlines like Hunt for the Head and Headless Horror sprung up across the nation, And as the country primed itself for a new century, this grisly crime scene became a tourist attraction. While local authorities tried to find more information about the unfortunate victim, tourists came from far and wide attempting to collect bloody souvenirs. Ultimately, law enforcement found a tag in the victim's custom-made footwear that led them back to Greencastle, Indiana. The body was identified as Pearl Bryan, a 22-year-old woman who had stumbled into a tragic ending to her short and troubled life. Born approximately 100 years before me, I feel a certain sense of sadness for this young woman who suffered such a fate. As a somewhat spirited young woman from an affluent family, Pearl thought she had found love with a dental student, Scott Jackson, who was from Cincinnati. When Pearl became pregnant, scandal was sure to erupt, and at that time, 
the country would have been shocked and horrified by an unwed mother from a well-to-do family. Being a woman of independence and strong will, though, Pearl was also conducting a somewhat clandestine relationship with somebody else, who just happened to be her cousin, Will Wood. When her pregnancy was discovered, though, Pearl went to Scott Jackson and asked him for help. Jackson and his roommate Alonzo Walling were enlisted to help Pearl travel to Cincinnati for an abortion, which in itself at the time period was pretty scandalous. And then, February 1st, 1896, Pearl traveled by train with one small bag, thinking that her problems were about to be remedied with the assistance of her boyfriend. Unfortunately, it is suspected that one of two possible scenarios happened. One, the abortion was botched by a doctor, or two, the duo of Jackson and Walling figured their dental school training was sufficient to perform an abortion on Pearl without involving trained professionals. After the botched procedure, the perpetrators panicked. The culprits then carried Brian across the river to Fort Thomas, Kentucky, where they thought they would find a better place to dispose of Pearl. Once they were there, they cut off her head and left her in a farmer's field. Thinking that this would prevent law enforcement from finding out who the body was. Although the two were presumably smart enough for dental school, they were shockingly ignorant when they were dumb enough to believe that simply removing Pearl's head would prevent identification of her body. Evidently, they took the head with them, perhaps in a carpet bag or some other type of container for the time, and went back to their lives in Cincinnati. The scene, discovered by a nine-year-old boy shortly after the body was dumped, was bloody, indicating the death had been recent and that Pearl had possibly been alive when her head was removed. Pearl had clearly trusted these two men to help her and realized too late that they intended to harm her to save their own hides. Whether or not there had been a struggle was not clear, but there was a lot of blood on the bushes and trees around poor Pearl and seeping into the ground. Disgustingly enough, thrill-seekers swarmed like flies on a decaying animal's corpse. Leaves, twigs, and other bloody artifacts were collected as onlookers hoped for gruesome souvenirs to remember their macabre tour of the crime scene. Meanwhile, Pearl had confirmed to her parents that she was visiting friends in Indianapolis. As a young adult from an affluent family, this was likely to not to have raised too many eyebrows. They also didn't become concerned when they hadn't heard from their daughter in a few days. But... They, like everybody else at that time period, saw an article in the paper that caught their attention, and like the rest of the masses of curious onlookers, they also traveled to Kentucky to see the body. The police investigation found a tag in one of her shoes, as we mentioned previously, and traced it back to the shop where they had been purchased. Shockingly enough, Pearl's mother identified her body from her webbed feet and toes. The head has never been found to this very day. Once the body was positively identified, Jackson and Walling were apprehended and each pointed the finger at the other as the killer responsible for Pearl's untimely death. The trial itself gained about as much publicity as the discovery of the headless body, though. Front page stories splashed across the newspapers called this the greatest tragedy of the 19th century in dramatic fashion. 
Surprisingly, though, the two accused killers were hailed as criminal heartthrobs and minor celebrities of the time. In fact, so many young female visitors descended on the jailhouse that the authorities had problems controlling the crowds. These men got proposals, letters, and dozens of women attempted to provide false alibis claiming that the men were with them at the time of Pearl's death. Not surprisingly, the two men were convicted of murder and sentenced to death. The method of death ended up being a double hanging and went down in history as the last hanging execution in Newport, Kentucky. There were rumors of a massive lynch mob gathering to break the two men out and administer vigilante justice. Almost comically, there was a prison break at the same time and in the same place where these two men were being held. And all of those being held made a run for it, but Jackson and Walling, who stayed behind to hide from the lynch mob. The two men were hanged in early 1897 behind the courthouse, and as mentioned earlier, they were the last convicted criminals hanged in Newport. The galleries used to hang these two men were then torn down after the execution, and pieces were actually carted off as mementos. According to news and historical accounts of the time, Pearl's place in all of this was pretty complex. Yes, she was a victim of murder, but she was also an unwed mother, and this caused vicious tongues to wag regarding a young woman's mistakes. Interestingly enough, ballads of the time memorialized Pearl in words ripped straight from the headlines, and there was a whole genre of songs memorializing young female murder victims. It had a formulaic structure and gruesome folk popularity. There is only one known photograph of Pearl Bryan that exists today. The picture is black and white. Pearl's hair is worn up, as was fashionable at the time, and looks to be light brown or dark blonde and slightly curling. Her face is oval, and according to accounts of the time, she was actually considered a pretty attractive woman with a long aquiline nose and lips that looked somewhat thin. The dress that she's wearing in the picture is high-necked, and she appears pretty conservative in both dress and expression. There is absolutely nothing in this portrait to indicate promiscuity or the tragic end to her all-too-short life. Pearl's tale was a cautionary one. The story was passed down through folklore songs and historical accounts. Pearl Bryant did not deserve to die, regardless of her naivete or mistakes. She was simply a young woman who fell prey to an age-old error in calculation. She trusted the wrong man, and he betrayed her. She paid the price for her transgressions by forfeiting her life. Justice was served in this case, and the two men went to the gallows for their part in her grisly death. To this day, tradition dictates that anyone who visits Pearl Bryan's grave should leave a penny heads up to provide her with the head that she was missing in death. I actually can't help but stare at the picture of Pearl and wonder what she was thinking. What were her hopes and dreams? What did she want out of life? Was she in love with Scott Jackson, or was he just a man she enjoyed the company of? Was she a traditional woman with aspirations of marriage and a family? Or was she born before her time, longing for the freedom to break away from female stereotypes and accepted gender roles? 
Did she willingly seek out an abortion or was it forced on her by others hoping to avoid responsibility or commitment? When did she discover Jackson's duplicity? Did she suffer greatly or was she unconscious when the final brutal act ended her life? We will never know the answers to these questions. Pearl was young, pretty, and wealthy, and this made it easier for her to be memorialized for those reasons. We know that she was these things, but we know very little else about her short and tragic life. Perhaps this is a timeless cautionary tale. Perhaps she would eventually meet a similar fate by some other means. But what is clear is that the fate she likely would have suffered by telling her family is assuredly less severe than the fate she suffered after telling her lover of her predicament. There are undoubtedly plenty of stories of death or severe punishment inflicted upon unwed mothers. But surely the punishment would have been much better if she would have confided in those who raised and loved her in spite of her errors in life. Rest in peace, Pearl Bryan, and know that many still hear and remember your name, even if others tried to erase it. We will remember you, Pearl. You are not just a cautionary tale to us. Your life won't be summed up in an old story sung to banjo music by old men who would never understand you. We will remember that you were strong and beautiful and you wanted something more for yourself. We will imagine you as brave when you got onto a train for Cincinnati. We will make sure your story lives on and you will be more than just a girl who made a mistake. We won't remember you as a victim either. That oversimplifies your existence and discounts your life. It steals away your identity and categorizes you by how you died and not how you lived. You were a woman who lived, laughed, loved, and died too soon. Rest in eternal peace, Pearl Bryan. You did not deserve to die for your mistakes. That's it, folks. That is the end of our first vintage series episode. We hope that you all enjoyed it. If you did, please feel free to send us an email. We're at the BFD podcast at gmail.com, or you can connect with us on social media. Both Twitter and Instagram are at the BFD podcast. Good night, podcast peeps. Stay healthy, keep it real, and always live your very best life. Bye.